the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Before I retired last December, I was a parish priest for many years. And every once in a while, I found that some longtime member of the congregation would stop coming to church. The person might still show up once in a while, but she no longer came every Sunday, and she would stop attending special parish events. And in effect, she had dropped out of the church community. Naturally, I would send a note to any such missing person and ask her what was going on. Was she ill? Was she fighting with another parishioner? Was she angry with God? And the answer would usually be something like this. No, she would reply, she wasn't angry, but she felt weighed down by the problems of her life. And as a result, she didn't feel like coming to church. Now, frankly, I find such reasoning perplexing. I understand when a person feels down in life. We all go through periods like that. I think just like now, I think all of us are going through a massive period of anxiety. But it seems to me that these are the times when we especially need our faith. These are the times when we should turn to God who knows us, knows how we are feeling, knows how to comfort us. In the long Lenten Gospel reading we just heard, Jesus is engaged in a conversation with a Samaritan woman. The talk is about faith, and it's complicated. For one thing, the meeting itself is highly unusual. At that time, Jesus, as a male, would not normally have had private conversations with a female whom he didn't know. For another thing, Jesus, as a Jew, wouldn't be discussing religion with a Samaritan. Samaritans were regarded by the Jews as heretics. They didn't accept all of the Hebrew scriptures to be sacred. And though they lived quite near each other in Israel, the two groups had little to do with each other. Perhaps because this was such an unusual situation that the Samaritan woman paid close attention to Jesus' words. The woman had come to the well to get water. Jesus had asked her to give him a drink from her bucket. The woman was shocked because, as, as the text tells us, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. But it soon becomes apparent that Christ doesn't want to talk about ordinary water. He's really interested in what can quench a person's spiritual truth. And he knows that that church, that thirst, can be ended. 
Jesus promises that everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never thirst. Jesus is telling the woman that everyone, even members of minorities like Samaritans, everyone can taste the spiritual gifts God brings. Elaine Pagels, a well-known scholar of early Christianity, has just published a book with an intriguing title, Why Religion? Professor Pagels' answer to that question, why religion, is that people have an inner thirst for the spiritual. They have a basic need for something beyond themselves, a need only religion can satisfy. Elaine Pagels herself proposes a broad concept of religion, and though she is an Episcopalian, she believes that many Christian traditions, as well as even non-Christian traditions, can provide inner nourishment. It all depends on whether we make a choice to look for refreshment from God. Professor Pagels quotes some words from the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, written some years after the Gospels in the Bible. And the text quotes Jesus as saying, recognize what is before your eyes, and the mysteries will be revealed to you. If we follow that advice, Pagel says, secret doors will be opened within us. So what secret door is opened by the encounter of Jesus with the Samaritan woman? Why do we need religion? Because we thirst. The Samaritan woman was, of course, trying to be useful, offering Jesus a drink of ordinary water. But Jesus tells her human beings need more than this physical sustenance. We search for meaning in our lives, especially in times like these with an almost incomprehensible crisis. We desire friends whom we can trust and depend on. We want to be part of something larger than ourselves. I'd like to give a, a personal example. Uh, since I retired, from the Church of the Incarnation in Midtown, I quickly discovered a hole in my prayer life. When I was working, it was my custom every morning to remember before God the names of parishioners who would ask my prayers or who were in need of some kind of help. I also prayed every day for my colleagues and for the parish leaders. Well, the day after I retired, my prayer list became radically shorter. As I separated myself from my parish, my list was reduced to family members and a few friends. And that's one of the reasons, many reasons, I'm so grateful uh, Father John has connected me with this 
of Christian community. It's a great blessing for me to once again have another parish to care about. And speaking of caring for community, the physical illness of coronavirus, nothing spiritual about that, threatens collateral damage on communities of faith, on the intangible bonds that bring us together in Christ. As an example, during our exchange of the peace, we no longer shake hands or embrace our neighbors. And this is certainly necessary to prevent what is tragically called community transmission. It prevents what most people find uniquely strengthening, the touch of another human being. All the more reason in these times for us to support our Christian fellowship in other ways. By our presence, so long as this is possible, certainly by our prayers, by helping others like the elderly neighbors who can't handle the crowds at the supermarket, they need someone to do errands for them. And as we consider Christ's offer to us of living water, we may ask ourselves personally, where do I need to be filled with living water? In the season of Lent, we ask, how is my religion satisfying my spiritual thirst? Even if we're experienced Christians, we can still ask, why religion? I recently began attending the weekday morning prayer services. The first service I went to was beautifully led by a layperson. And after the service, I found that some worries that had been troubling me earlier in the morning melted away. In this instance, religion worked. Praying in church with other Christians while we can do that could make a palpable effect on our lives. In a few weeks, when we get to Good Friday, we will solemnly contemplate Christ's final hours on the cross. And we may remember that time, one of the seven sentences the Bible reports Jesus saying as he was dying. It's the shortest of those seven sentences, I thirst. The Gospels report that when the soldiers around Jesus heard his words, he pressed a sponge soaked with vinegar to Christ's mouth. But of course, Christ was wanting more than vinegar. He wanted even his enemies to know the kingdom of his God is for everyone. Everyone who thirsts will be filled. 
And so we may find even the slightest refreshment when we are spiritually thirsty can be linked to the Spirit of God. There are times like these when we struggle with uncertainty about the future, when we keep thinking and thinking what's going to happen tomorrow. We end up feeling overwhelmed. But if we can look beyond these feelings to the promises of God, we may find that, at least for a moment, the cloud lifts and light returns to our existence. We realize not only will we get through a tough time, but we'll be filled. And finally, notice that in the Gospel text, Jesus promises the water that I will give will become a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Our religion doesn't just help us smooth the daily rough edges. Our faith brings us in touch with the God who gives living waters to all who thirst forever. Our religion brings us the eternal In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.